Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. The God of the firstborn. The Hebrew writer says, we have come not to Mount Sinai, but to Mount Zion, a mountain that David made known. For he took the Ark of the Covenant after becoming king over all of Israel to Zion. And the glory that was upon the tabernacle of Moses, the cloud lifted off of the tabernacle and migrated to Mount Zion and made it smoky. Solomon later built the temple of Solomon on top of it. Uh, theologians say, historians say that when the sun would hit the gold, it would blind you from the brilliance of the temple of Solomon. We have the tabernacle of David, David and the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon. Great study uh, information. Uh, for you to dig into. You'll see symbols of Christ in all of them. The word is so rich with uh, symbols and principles and insights for living. And we can preach the tabernacle of Moses for years and still not exhaust the text. Right now we're on Zion. The scripture is very, very clear. And Zion is calling us to a higher place of praise. To stand upon the mountain and to magnify his name. To tell all the people and every nation that he reigns. Because Zion is calling. I like the scripture. Not only are we called to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an, an innumerable company of angels. You're not alone. He actually inhabits the praises of his people. But when we praise, angels gathers, gathers as well. We're called to a general assembly, the Catholic or the universal church and the church of the firstborn. There's an organization called the firstborn, a Pentecostal organization. I'm not speaking about an organization coming straight out of the text here. The church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Uh, those who are part of this group are registered in heaven. The God. To God, the judge of all. God is the judge of all that are connected to the church of the firstborn, to the spirit of just men made perfect. And we know we're not made perfect in ourselves, but we're made perfect because of Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. I think Jeremiah spoke to it. He says, there's a covenant coming. Well, I'm not going to give you tablets of stone, but I'm going to take my finger and write them in your heart. Glory to God. The word of God is going to be imprinted in your heart and in your soul. Glory to God. You'll carry it with you. And that's why I would encourage all believers to try to memorize scriptures. Every generation up until now memorize verses of scripture. That's book, chapter, and verse. Know the address of the verses. Like Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. 
Like Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is my refuge and my strength, my very present help in the time of trouble. Glory to God. Like Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That person, that man who does not walk, he guards his direction. If you're wondering, if you're floundering, you may be lost. Because a just man, a blessed man, will guard their direction. The wind doesn't just blow them from one thing to the next. They are driven. They are purpose driven to what God has called them to do. As I launch, I'm going to launch a face, a, a, um, a life group called Driven. And I hope that you all will join it. Because it's going to be on a virtual, a virtual platform, but I would like to see young people join it as well. And we're going to take the, the Purpose Driven Life book and we're going to work with it. Because I have people asking me about their purpose. Well, the life group is called Driven. And thank you, Lord. And, the, and if you guard your direction, you will be driven by the Holy Spirit. I like this. The new covenant is all about the blood. The blood is sprinkled. The blood is speak, sprinkled. And it speaks of a better covenant, better things than that of Abel. The Hebrew writer also ties us to the book of Exodus. Because, and I pulled out one verse here, and I want you to get this. Exodus 4 and 22. When God spoke to Moses to go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. Look at what he says. You shall say to this king, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. Not just my son, but he's my firstborn. A firstborn also known as the eldest child. Or sometimes the firstling. So the firstborn is known as the eldest child, the firstling. Sometimes we get that confused. The oldest child born to a couple through childbearing, through childbirth, is called the firstborn. For a moment, I want to talk about the role and the culture of the firstborn. There's some historical truths that we need to know about when we deal. If God is the God of the firstborn, we need to know historically what that means. The role of the firstborn child has been socially significant. Especially in a patriarchal society. In America, they're trying to wipe out the patriarch. They feel some kind of way if a man is masculine, then it diminishes the femininity of women. But it's just not true. And we need to be able to stand over and against these, these cultural wars that's going on in our society. Sex is not malleable. In other words, I can't determine that I will be another sex just because I feel that way. You got eight and nine-year-olds, parents is giving their kids the ability to tell them what they feel they are. When the parents should be able to impose what's right. And sometimes when you're silent, everything else starts growing. You got a beautiful garden, you got to get the weeds out. Weeds are influences that are growing up right around you that need to be cleared out. And a 10-year-old 
been on the earth just one decade, doesn't even have all of the testosterone or the estrogen that's necessary for development, cannot tell anybody what they feel like they are, and we go with it. We're supposed to tell them. And I know what I'm saying is totally against what most of people are saying in the world today. But I got heaven on my mind. Thank you, Lord. You got three things you will not change. You can't change sex, you can't change age, and you can't change ethnicity. It doesn't matter what you feel. Uh, if I can change sex, then I should be able to say, I feel like I'm 25, and you go with it. All I have to do is change it on the document, get a few people to go along with it, I should be able to say that. I can't say I feel like I'm Hispanic. And you all supposed to accept it. I can't say I feel like I'm a Caucasian male in America. I can't say that. If I said it, they would jack me up. Why then can we change sex? You tell me, the, the smart ones, the intellectual ones. Why did you allow the lie to get to you that way? You can't change sex. It's not malleable. I can't go in and out of certain chambers like that. Well, I'm, 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 I feel like a woman today or I feel like a man. It's happening all over the world. And I'm not going to desecrate anybody. But I'm here to let you know from the biblical perspective, we stand over and against that. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, God used him to cast down certain things. With the stroke of a pen. And I believe God wanted to stabilize the courts. And so in law, many systems have incorporated the concept of the firstborn. And primogenitor, primogenitor is the, is the law term. Primogenitor is the term in law that speaks to the firstborn. It is the right of succession belonging to the firstborn child. The right of succession. In other words, for years, for centuries, the firstborn would inherit the possessions of the family if mother and father perished. The firstborn child inherits their parents' property. The firstborn child inherits, especially in Judaism or in the Jewish culture. And one of the reasons why Joseph had such a hard time with his brothers is because God uh, took that norm and he shifted it. The coat of many colors was not given to Reuben, the firstborn. The coat of many colors was given to the 11th hour, to the 11th son, and his name was Joseph. And they hated him for it. While an only child will also inherit the same properties. In a larger family, the firstborn often is perceived to be a little different. In many instances, they are. They carry a different mindset. They perceive themselves, himself or herself as being different from the rest of the children. Sometimes they try to take it upon themselves to be the leader. Especially if the father is known. So that's the culture 
the role of the firstborn. They get the inheritance, but they also carry a lot of weight. Let's talk about the church of the firstborn. Psalm 89 and verse 27. I need to take you through some scripture here so we can get this. And I'm going somewhere. This is a two-part message at 11 o'clock. I'm going to deal with the curses broken off of the firstborn. The enemy is after your firstborn children. Whether you know it or not, and they need prayer. They need the atmosphere moisturized with some prayers. Psalm 89 and 27 also, I will make him my firstborn. <laughs> I will make him my firstborn. Speaking of Christ himself, the highest of the kings of the earth. So we can see that the firstborn is considered to be highest. Elevation. Elevation, that term, even the firstborn church, God says you need to see firstborn as elevated. Now, we're speaking of culture, especially in a patriarchal culture. You don't have that same kind of culture in America. But let's hear the spiritual implications of the word. The book of Colossians is very strong at identifying firstborn. Again, Psalm 89 and 27, also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of kings. Not just sitting among the matriarchs, the patriarchs, the monarchs, but the highest of the kings. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, he is the image. Speaking of Christ Jesus, the image of the invisible God. Jesus, if you can't see God... Well, what does God look like? You got to look at Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Please get it. He's the image. The expressed Hebrews one says the expressed image of the father's person. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the image of the invisible God. When God wanted to be seen, he made a man. When God wanted his flavor, his person, and his image to be known, he sent Jesus. There are a lot of people, I don't know God. I've never seen God. You don't have to. You saw Jesus. And if you see him, you're, you're seeing the image, the person, the image, and the person of our God walking in the earth. His kindness, his gentleness, his strength, his incomprehensible love, his sacrifice, his glory, his knowledge, his willingness to stop dying to save a thief, his willingness to take a woman caught up in some entanglements. And right on the dirt and save her from all of the religious people trying to kill her. He said, you without sin cast the first stone. Guess what? Not one stone was thrown. You know why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm glad Jesus is God and not us. Romans chapter 8, another passage, very powerful. We should know it. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew. I like that. 
for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image. So we know that Jesus, according to Colossians 1 and 15, is the image of the invisible God. But look how God works. He foreknew us. And if he foreknew us, he also predestined us to be conformed into the very image of, the, of his son. It's right there. Look at this. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Which simply means God is willing to share his glory with those who will work with him. God is willing to share his knowledge, share his position, share his resource, share his effectiveness with those that will come after him. Thank you, Lord. We're back in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 now. It's on the screen and he is the head of the body. Who? Jesus is the head of the body, the head of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn. What is he saying? In other words, the firstborn should be the very one you see, but there's a whole lot following. He's just the firstborn. There will be another one coming and another one coming of liking unto the same kind. You and I following in the same footsteps. And as it goes with the firstborn, so, that it, so should it go with all the children. The Bible says, who is, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? The firstborn from the dead. Oh, we didn't see that. You mean firstborn from that? Yeah, resurrection power. To get that, you have to die. Oh, I want to be firstborn. Really? To lead out in this, you have to die. You have to experience resurrection power. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. People like the kingliness. They like the monarchy. They like all of the power and the prestige, like what the queen has over in England. But they don't understand. To get preeminence of all, there has to be death. Well, I didn't hear many people saying amen because we want the power, but not the death. That's why I'm glad that Jesus died on my behalf. Can the church say amen? He died that I may live. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in his son will not perish, but live, have everlasting life. I talked to you a little bit about the culture and the role of the firstborn. And then the church of the firstborn, we found out that Jesus is the head. And the firstborn from the dead. Let's talk a little, a little bit about the love-hate. The love-hate relationship of the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 4 verse 22, we read uh, verse 22. But I need to add verse 23 to this. It's on the screen. Then you shall say, speaking to a frail Moses who lacked a lot of courage when he faced Pharaoh. He had been out of Egypt for 40 years. He lost the dialect. He wasn't as skilled in his teaching, in his speaking. And Aaron had to be his mouthpiece. But notice what he says, what God says to his servant Moses. When you come to Pharaoh, thus say to him, the Lord would say to him, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Look at this. 
So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse, notice what God says, to let him go. Indeed, it's very sharp. I will kill your son, your firstborn. And I, I want you to think about, I want you to think about a man coming to a king with just the staff in his hands and standing in the court of this king and God said, this is the exact words that I want you to speak to this Pharaoh. Let my son go, my firstborn, that he may serve me. But if you refuse, ah, Lord help me, to let him go, Indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. That's right. We see that the firstborn son of God, as it relates to a nation, is in bondage. I perceive there are many firstborns in our family that are in bondage. Number two, they are isolated. They feel isolated. Well, how can they say that, Bishop? I've done all that I could do. I treated them right. I've given them all. But let me tell you something about it. It doesn't matter what you've done. Even God's firstborn was in bondage. So why would you not think yours could be in an entanglement? Why are you preaching about this? It's a new season. And I believe the Lord is awakening my spirit and challenging you to stop looking just at what's going on in your life. The enemy doesn't like your children. And he wants to kill them from the inside out. But the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. I need you to text and call your family now. Send them a text and tell them to tune in to the word of truth revealed right here at uh, Truth Revealed International on Facebook. And I need you to tune in because I got a word for your firstborn. And I need those intercessors that believe that I am a prophet, a man of God. I need you to start praying for the firstborn of the people of God. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but as God spoke to Pharaoh, if you refuse to let my son go, I will kill yours. Satan has flipped it. He's flipped it and he has an assignment on the on the chest or the back of our firstborn. And this is how he's crippling families today. I will kill him. That's what Satan is saying. I will kill her. I will desecrate her. And I'm here because I believe God told me to tell you it's a new season for deliverance. It's a new season, hallelujah, that God's people will be set free. It's a new I know they're going through all kinds of things, but you need to stand firm and stand on the word of God. Can the church say amen? The firstborn is not only in bondage, but also isolated and has much pressure on them. What kind of pressure? A lot of it is internal. It's not even real. It's in their mind. But it's pressure anyway. They're full of anxiety. Full of it. They're full of other things too. But they're full of anxiety. Usually they are 
endure the immaturity of their parents because our firstborn is usually born when we're young and lacking experience. So sometimes they're punished severely. We say things to them that we wouldn't say to the last one. They had to absorb all of our mistakes or our trial runs. When I was growing up, they used to have uh, pins for diapers. I'm glad you don't know anything about that. But when I grew up, they had, they had pins for diapers. And many times, parents, if they're not talking, not paying attention, or they, they would take the pin and, and, and stick the baby accidentally. Next thing you hear the baby screaming. That usually happens to a lot of young parents. And if it was going on today, you'll hear a lot of kids screaming. Because parents are totally out of it. They're totally out of it when they're dealing with the little babies today. I think my mom uh, stuck Nick a lot, you know, when he was coming up. Because he was constantly, ow, ooh, ay, ooh, ah. <laughs> I think she, um, she was a little bit more patient with me. But the firstborn usually receives the brunt of the inexperience of the parent. And as a consequence, they will be a lot of time the first to rebel. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just here to tell you that God is shining a light. It's a new season. It's a new season. Please be patient with me as I lay out this because I believe God wants to save our children. Why would we enter into a new season and our families are lacking or they won't call us or they won't work with us so they don't want to hang around. We can't get in touch with them. What would happen? What would happen if everybody is able to come together? The firstborn and the youngest, the old and the new. Hallelujah. Uh, the experience and the inexperience and share all and work together as one. What would happen? If we were able to identify this enemy, the devil who flipped it. You killed the firstborn of the Egyptian to set yours free. I'm going to kill yours to put you in bondage. As I said earlier, the devil is a liar. Thank you, Lord. It was the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn that really delivered Israel from its bondage. Nine very gruesome plagues. But Pharaoh still hard, hardened his heart. What was the first thing Moses said? Let my son, my firstborn go. But if you refuse. Then I will kill your firstborn. Even your firstborn son. Josephus says that uh, Pharaoh believed that his son would survive the plague. But when morning came, he was lifeless because the destroyer came through the land. Glory to God. And whether you know it or not, there's some spirit world realities 
that's going on right now. And the enemy is releasing a whole nother level of destruction on this generation. You don't just kneel on necks and have a cool spirit. You don't just shoot kids and able to go home at night. You don't do the things that's happening right before our eyes with no conscience. There has to be a demonic flow, hallelujah, and a demonic intensity that's being released in America and around the world. I need you to understand COVID-19 is not from God. It's from the devil. And we need to raise the levy of awareness and begin to talk to the Lord. Glory to God. I know some of you are thinking about your children and you should. And you may be the firstborn. Male or female. The enemy is after you. Let's talk about the 10th plague. Then Moses. This is Exodus 12 verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take a lamb. Take lambs for every household, thousands of them. The crying of the lambs. Take lambs for yourselves according to your families. Every family has a lamb. I want you to kill the lamb, the Passover lamb. It has to be without spot and blemish. Every family had to do this. Verse 22, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop. Later on, Solomon knew the dimensions of hyssop growing out of the walls. It's a, a type of a medicine. Take the branch of hyssop, dip the bush, the branch, into the blood that is in the basin. And I want you to strike the lintel and the two doorposts. In other words, I want you to strike the I want you to strike it, smear it. Over the lintel and over the doorpost. Whew. Strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of your door. Of his house until the morning. Look at the specific commands to save the house. We just like to say we got to put the blood over the doorpost. But notice. I need you to strike the doorpost. In other words, I want you to be intentional, not casual with this. I need you to let them know it's by the blood of Jesus. It's by the blood of the lamb that you're saved and protected. And I need you to strike it in front of all of them. I need you to kill the lamb in front of your children. And they hear it cry. Then I need you to spill the blood in the basin. And I need you to strike it. It's going to be messy. But I want you to do it in front of them so they will know. Not praying in the closet. You need to be visible with your relationship with God. You're supposed to be bold and visible. You're supposed to be bold. Not braggadocious, but you're supposed to be bold with it. You're not just going to church and you're quiet about it. They should know that you know who Jesus is. You know what the blood of Jesus would do. You know that the blood covers sin. They don't want you to stay in the house. In other words, they got to see you obey the word. For your firstborn, they got to see you in the word. You got to obey it to the T. Notice the word. You shall not go out of the door. How many of us are telling our kids, you do this and you do that while we're doing something else? They're watching us. 
Ah, they're watching our temperament. They're watching our disposition. It's no excuse, but I want you to see it. How many of us stayed in the house? How many of us would explore the things and go into the new worlds and doing everything while the kids are watching us? Not only do we spread the blood, but we got to stay in the house. I want to encourage you to get back to the house. I want to encourage you to stay in the house of God. I want to encourage you. You can't bypass it. The blood covers the doorpost, but stay in the house. Got too many Christians, too many bigot Christians, too many Christians, too many racist Christians that's leaving the house anytime they want. Self-willed Christians. And God wants us to get back into the house. Can I go deeper? Exodus chapter 12, we talked about verse 20 and 22, 21 and 22, but I need to go to verse 23 now. Notice what the scripture says. Moses instructed them, put the blood over the doorpost, strike it, be visible, be aggressive with it, and don't leave the house. But verse 23, the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. You strike the doorpost, but he will strike them. In other words, he's not going to be casual with this. You're going to hear wailing. Don't go out the house to check it out. You're going to hear wailing over there. But if you put the blood over your house, if the blood is applied, but you got to strike it, you got to be intentional. No more casual relationship with God. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow, watch this, the destroyer, the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. The Lord is moving with the destroyer and he will pass over you and cause the destroyer to pass as well. You got to stay in the house. You got to strike the doorpost and the lintel and he will pass over. Some of us are way too casual with our own. Well, I'm not going to disturb your faith, no. In this house, this is how we do it. I need to preach it. I said in this house, we're intentional. This is how we do it. We don't stray when we're here. Ah, why are we doing it? So God will pass over and cause the destroyer to pass over as well. Look at verse 24. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. I will come to pass. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you. Just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean or what do, what do you mean by this service? And you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over our houses. The houses of the children of Israel in Egypt. When he struck, he was intentional. 
the Egyptians, the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. The key to saving houses is obedience. Even if the destroyer, because of the blood of Jesus, is greater than the blood of this, this lamb. Even if the destroyer is putting his tentacles in your house, you can apply the blood now and he has, he has to withdraw. But you need to be intentional and stop being casual and lenient as it relates to the ordinance of God. Chapter 12, verse 31. Then he called for Moses and Aaron. Notice. The destroyer came to the land. We're now seeing verse 31 and verse 32. He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise, go out. Talking about Pharaoh. Go out from among my people. Both you and the children of Israel. Oh, God's firstborn. And go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, as you have said. And be gone. And bless me also. I see something on you. I see favor on you. He took mine. And I'm asking you to send a blessing to me. This is a, a heathen king that's supposed to look at the people of Israel, the children of Israel, or God's people, and somehow, some way, want a part of that. Because if none of you lost your firstborn, and I'm carrying my dead son, I need what's on your life. Thank you, Lord. Now the hardened man over nine plagues was softened when his own child died. Oh God help me. Whether your children are young or still at home or adults or haven't seen, you haven't seen them in years. They still need you. No matter how difficult the situation may seem, never give up on your children. I want you to take your anguish to prayer. I don't care how rebellious they are. Cry out. Strike the doorpost with your prayer. Strike it. Ah. Ooh, Jesus. Apply the blood. Be intentional. Not casual. Let your love and your passion take you to that place. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray. I believe the Lord showed me, and I'm going to speak about it. The curse is broken at 11. Satan watched how God delivered his people from bondage. And he has set a mark on our children. He said to uh, God, if I strike their children, they'll curse you. And we've kind of allowed them to 
do whatever they want to do, meandering through life, and won't stand up or be very, very um, concise and strong as it relates to order and destruction. I'm not talking about overbearing stuff. We're way too lenient. We've taken on the, remember, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of what? We, we have allowed secular world to tell us how to raise it. It's ungodly. It's ungodly for any child to be under your leadership and they can do whatever they want. It's ungodly. That's not God's counsel. You are not to leave the house while the blood is on the doorpost. You don't come to church when you want to. I just overslept. What? What are you talking about? All of us here, we get up and go. And we wonder why the enemy is able to send a tentacle and then snatch them out. Notice no child put blood over the doorpost. It was up to the parent. You didn't see kids out there. Well, I'm going to lead the prayer. I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead. I know. I know. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Stay in your place. Stay in your place. And if they have to lead us, that means something is wrong with us. I believe the Lord showed me that the enemy has a bullseye on our children. I'm going to cast that down in the name of the Lord. And I need you to call them and I need you to pray for them. And I need you to just as, as passionate as you can be about anything else, I need you to cry out like that for your own children. I can hear the cries. And I can hear the strategy in the boardroom of the devil as he's setting a strategy to kill and take out your firstborn. It's not just the firstborn, everything that follows. My hometown, in my hometown on my street, the Davis family, the oldest son is dead. The oldest daughter is dead. The next son has been murdered. He and his girlfriend then just last year or a year and a half ago, Lavoie was killed in a car accident. All of them. You can't tell me that's not an attack of the enemy. That it just happened to one family. And while we're sitting in the back casual and intellectual, you know, you know, we got to figure it out. You know, we got to figure it out. What counsel are you listening to? I'm here to tell you and I'm really passionate about this because I picked it up in the spirit and I believe the enemy is after somebody's child. If he wakes you up in the night, don't lay there. Cry out. God save him, deliver him, take him out uh, of the hands and the clutches of the enemy. Take it to God in prayer. He's going to answer you. It's a new season for faith. And if you call on the name of the Lord, hallelujah, you will be saved and they shall be saved. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and thank you because you're a good God. We thank you because you loved us and you love our children. I don't know why I feel this on my heart. But you place it on my heart in new members class yesterday. Father, I thank you for giving us the honor and the privilege of being parents. You knew us and knew our children before they were born. You, you knew their name. 
You knew Omar, you knew Megan before they were born. You knew their name. Come on, parents, pray with me. You, you know, God, you knew their name. Even when they were in the womb, you knew them. And you have great plans for our children. Enormous, hulking plans for our children. The word says that you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh, our offspring, and, our, and your blessing will be upon our descendants. And so I declare by faith in the name of Jesus that our children bear and hear the voice of your spirit. Even now, I say it and speak it. Abatha, be open. Let their ears open up, Father the voice of your spirit and no stranger they will follow for your sheep your children our children know your voice and no counterfeit can pull them away we know that the spirit of rebellion is plaguing America and around the world in their hairdos and their tattoos they don't want to follow advice. They'll take someone else's advice, but don't want to take their own parents' advice. But we decree and declare that the devil has no place, no right in the, in the heart and in the lives of our children. So we take back that authority. We gave it up, but we're taking it back in the name of Jesus. Thank you, you've given us that authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we command every wrong spirit. Including the spirit of rebellion. To leave our children. Right now in the name of Jesus. We decree and declare that no weapon formed against them will prosper. And every tongue that rises against them in judgment shall be condemned. Send angels Lord to take charge of our children. We plead the blood. We're on Zion. And Zion is calling us to a higher place. An innumerable amount of angels. Send Gabriel if you have to. Michael to fight for us God. We declare Psalm 91. Protection over all of our children. Break every stronghold in their lives. Anything that's keeping them from coming to you. Satan. You cannot have our children. We resist you steadfastly in the name of Jesus. Now go, God, let your spirit rest. Heaven, let the kabod rest heavily on them. Let them start calling parents. Let them start calling uh, households. Let them have a heart, Father. Hallelujah! To call mama again and call daddy. And thank you, God, for repentance. And when they do, help us to not talk about what they did just to talk about how much we miss them and love them you bring the conviction father let us send the love and bring our homes back together again this is my prayer for the people of God let it be so in Jesus name come on stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord and let's give God a praise in this house hallelujah children are coming home 
Come on, they're coming home. I decree that in the name of Jesus. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.